you go to your Bibles to the book of Psalms 133, starting in verse 1, David talking, he said, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. That's a whole nother message right there. But he goes on and he says, that pleasantness of them dwelling together in unity, it's like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, the beard, even Aaron's beard, the first high priest. And that anointing went down to the skirts of his garments as the dew of Hermon and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing even for life evermore. Then if you jump to Exodus 28, starting in verse 41. Exodus 28 and 41. It says, And thou shalt put them upon Aaron thy brother and his sons, talking about garments. Thou shalt put these garments upon Aaron thy brother and his sons with him and thou shalt anoint them and consecrate them and sanctify them that they may minister unto me in the priest's office and thou shalt make them linen breeches to cover their nakedness from the loins even unto the thighs they shall reach and they shall be upon Aaron and upon his sons when they come in unto the tabernacle of the congregation or when they come near unto the altar to minister in the holy place that they bear not iniquity and die, it shall be a statute forever unto him and his seed after him. Aaron and his sons, before they were ever able to go and minister, had to put on special garments, and then they had to be anointed with the oil, a special oil. So I want to talk to us tonight about the anointing of sonship. The anointing of sonship. If we lift our hands, let's just pray and ask God to have his way. God, have your way in this place, God. God, move. Speak to us clearly, God. God, let your word go forth and fulfill what it's been ordained to do in this place and in this people for your glory. I thank you, Lord, that we can come before you. And I thank you, God, that your hand is upon your church and you've got a plan and a purpose for us, God. God, we're going to walk in the anointing of the Holy Ghost. We're going to walk in the anointing that you've ordained for your church in this day and age for your glory and for your honor, God. Lead us, guide us. Let us see clearly, God, every area of our life. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Clap your hands to the Lord one more time. Thank you, Jesus. You may be seated. Thank you, Ben. So tonight, I got to admit to you that I don't fully understand the, the complete depth and breadth of this subject that I'm about to share with you tonight. I don't quite understand all of the ins and the outs of it, the ramifications of it totally, but I do know that it is important for us to understand the anointing of the sonship. And uh, I could probably preach four or five messages on this and uh, to cover it, but I'm just going to, we're going to do one tonight and see what happens. Amen. Some of you know, uh, or may not know, 
since I've been pastoring this church, I haven't had a spiritual covering in my life. I hadn't had anybody over me that I was submitted to as we, we call them pastors. I don't know if that's biblical. I, I don't know if I really see anywhere in the Bible where pastors had pastors, but they did have bishops and they had overseers and they had spiritual coverings. And, um, you know, I, I, to be honest with you, as I've been on this journey of pastoring, I didn't quite think I... I don't think I really totally realized how important that was and, and um, how needed that was in my life. I knew I needed it, but I, I don't think I really understood the spiritual ramifications of not having that in my life. And um, I got in a conversation with a gentleman, Brother Todd Nichols, some of you know who he is, uh, talking to him about uh, the fivefold ministry and the gifts of the Spirit. And uh, next thing you know, we were talking about I didn't uh, pastors and having spiritual coverings in your life. And when he found out I didn't have a spiritual covering in my life, he said, the first thing you got to do is get that taken care of. And uh, he kind of shook me up a little bit and shared some things with him that shared some things with me that really got me going. And so I started praying, and I was fasting and just asking God to lead me. And to make a long story short, God directed my path to a gentleman uh, in Silsby, Texas, by the name of Douglas White. Uh, he's, he's, he's an older gentleman. He's been in this thing for quite some time, very anointed man of God. Uh, got connected with him, talking with him. Uh, presented to him the fact that I didn't have a spiritual covering. I don't have a spiritual father. I don't have anybody with veto power in my life. None of you can do that because I'm your head. I'm your pastor. And, uh, and uh, so anyway, we prayed and we, we connected with one another. And now uh, he is my bishop. Amen. So he is my covering. He is my spiritual head. Um, he's all the way in Texas, but we text almost every day uh, with each other. And I know he's praying for me and he's praying for our church. So you're going to get to know this gentleman. He's going to be up here sometime. He's a very busy man. Um, he's all over the place. He's, uh, he's always on the go, man. Every time I text him, he's doing something. Getting on a flight, going here, doing this, doing that. Amen. Uh, but he will come up here sometime, and you'll get to know him, God willing. Amen. He's a very anointed man of God. He's a very dedicated man of God, and uh, I'm, I'm thankful that God brought our paths together. So that's a good thing. Uh, I feel in the spirit um, peace that I don't know if I really recognized wasn't there because of now having this spiritual covering in my life. Uh, it's very important for that to be in not just my life, but our lives, because now that anointing only doesn't flow to me, but it flows to all of us. Amen. And I've felt my spirit for some time that there was something in this congregation that needed to be addressed. Uh, I felt this for the last couple of months, probably, even before all this stuff began, where I uh, talked with Todd Nichols or any of that. I just felt there was something in my spirit that we needed to address something about this congregation. And it's my prayer tonight that you hear my heartbeat. And you get what I'm trying to say to you, and, and I, I pray that you understand that this isn't about me. I'm not up here bringing this message to you because I got some motive for me. This isn't about me. This is about us. It's about this church. It's about what God wants to do in and through you and in your life. Amen. So please understand that this is about us. It's not about me tonight. And uh, 
But I know in my spirit through hearing from God and hearing from others that God does want to do something very great in this church. I don't just say that. I don't just come up here and say that to make you get excited or feel good. I feel that in the spirit. I've had people speaking. I've had people speaking all kinds of things into my life in these last couple months. And I know God is wanting to do something great for this church. And, you know, he's always wanted to do something great from this church for this church. He has done some great things things. And his plan and his purpose has never changed for the church. His plan and his purpose for this congregation has never changed. God is going to do a great work in this region through this people, but for that to happen, there has to be a shift in us. We need to understand that the anointing of God on a people has a divine order. And that divine order cannot be substituted or distorted for God to truly do what he wants to do with his people. So my heartbeat tonight is that we submit ourselves to God's divine order of anointing. God's plan for anointed ministry began with a man named Aaron. And we know that the Old Testament was full of types and shadows pointing us towards the New Testament church. And so we know that Aaron was the first priest. And he, as the priest, represented the New Testament pastor today. It was Aaron chosen by God himself who served as the high priest to God's people of Israel. I'm going to move quickly, so please just stay with me. With me. So when we understand that the Old Testament priest is a type and a shadow of a New Testament pastor, we need to look at the anointing of Aaron and how that anointing was placed upon his life if we want that anointing to flow in our lives and through this congregation. He was given special garments to wear that were specific to his office. No one else wore these particular garments. No one else was to wear those particular clothes. They were only for the priest. And once Aaron put these garments on, he was anointed with a holy anointing oil that was particular and special to only the ministry of the priesthood. The holy oil was used for one thing and one thing alone to anoint the priesthood. This oil was poured out upon Aaron's head and it saturated him completely. It poured onto his head and it ran through his beard and it got on his garments and there was so much oil that it saturated his clothes completely until that oil dripped from the hem of those garments onto the ground. It soaked him completely. Notice again what David said in Psalm 133. He said, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It's like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard of Aaron, even upon Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garments. The oils always flowed down because the direction in which the oil flowed played an important part in the divine order of anointing that God was setting in motion. It's God's word. In God's word, the anointing always flows down. It always flows down. It never flowed sideways. It never flowed upward. It never flowed any other way except for down. It always flows down. The anointing always starts at the top and it flows down. That is God's divine order for anointing. And you can be assured that the biblical path for you to develop into your fullest potential in the kingdom of God is understanding that the anointing always flows down. 
We see God's hand on Aaron by choosing him specifically. Then he was dressed in special garments, then he was covered in the sacred anointing oil. But it is important to understand that God, as he ordained Pastor Aaron, that he knew that Aaron could not do everything that would be required of him all by himself. As God was ordaining the first ministry, he did so knowing that at some point there would be a need for anointed individuals to rise up from within the congregation itself to help in ministry. And it is the same today for the New Testament church. For God to fully do all that he has ordained for a church, there is going to have to be anointed people that can tap into the flow of spiritual authority and power and be capable of fulfilling the plan of God in our midst. We will not reach to everything that God has for us unless there are people that rise from spiritual mediocrity and tap into their God-given potential, but you must understand where that potential begins. It does not begin in your ability. It doesn't begin because you're tenure in a church. It doesn't come from your biblical knowledge. It comes from the anointing of sonship, the divine order that God set in motion through Aaron and his sons. Exodus 28, 41, and thou shalt put them upon Aaron thy brother and his sons with him, and thou shalt anoint them and consecrate them and sanctify him them, that they may minister unto me in the priest's office. God said the path for ushering humanity into a place of anointing will always go through sonship. This simply means that when the need arose for additional anointed leaders, God did not just randomly pick people out of the congregation of Israel, but he followed the divine order of anointing by raising up sons who were able to, op to operate under the same anointing that saturated their father. This was not randomly done by God, but it was a divine order that he established and he expected it to always continue. When God spoke about the order and the ministry of the priesthood, he said things like, it shall be a statute forever in their generations. It shall be a statute forever unto him and his seed after him. The priest's office shall be theirs for a perpetual state, and thou shalt consecrate Aaron and his sons. It was to be a perpetual state of operation and being. And there many more are many more verses just like these. God was saying from this day forward, my divine order of true anointing is this. Anointing must pass from a father to a son. Now, if you fast forward to a New Testament Gentile church that we are all blessed to be part of today, amen. Today, the anointing is no longer passed and blessed uh, through the natural offspring of Aaron, but God said the principles of the divine order of anointing will remain in effect perpetually and forever, so it has to continue on. God still uses individuals that have the anointing of sonship on their lives, amen? And the anointing still runs down from one generation to the next because the perpetual statute of true anointing still belongs to sons. The only difference is, is that now we are not looking for a lineage of a natural father, but we are looking for a spiritual lineage from a spiritual father. That means that no matter how anointed you may think that you are, you still need a spiritual father in your life. No matter how anointed you think you are, you still need to have a spiritual covering over your life. 
Every saint of God that wants the anointing of God in their life, every person that wants the anointing of God on their family and on their ministry has to have a spiritual father of man or a man of God in their life. So you don't need me to just be your pastor in the sense that I correct you and I encourage you and I direct you and I teach you. But you need the anointing that God has poured onto me to flow down to your life. The spiritual anointing of a father to a son until the anointing that rests on your life is a reflection of your man of God, of your spiritual father. Again, I don't understand everything that's involved in all of this. I I don't know all the ins and the outs of it, but I do know, hallelujah, that for the anointing of God to flow into your life, you have to walk in sonship. I do understand for you to be anointed fully, you have got to come underneath the man of God in your life, and you can't do that if you have heart against me. You can't do that if you have things in your heart against me. Jesus was the greatest example of the anointing of sonship. He was called the Christ or the anointed one. He was able to truly operate in that role because he always brought his humanity into alignment with his father, with his spiritual father. The anointing flowed freely to Jesus because he walked in sonship. This understanding totally changes the way we view Christ. I've never once thought of this, and it blew me away as I was looking into all this. We realized that Jesus had to be called a son because God had set in motion a divine order that he too had to submit to. God himself couldn't bypass this divine order that he set in motion to be a perpetual state from all the way back in the days of Aaron. He couldn't bypass it. Jesus, he was the Christos, the anointed one. As human flesh, he understood that he must be a son to to align his humanity to be anointed. He wasn't called a son because he was a separate person of some trio in the Godhead. He was called a son because he dwelled in a human body. And for humanity to be anointed, God's divine order requires that flesh must abide in sonship. Being truly anointed requires you to follow the same divine order that Aaron and his sons followed and that even Jesus himself followed. It requires you to become a son. John 6, 38, Jesus said, For I came from down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. Jesus was the ultimate example of sonship. He proved to us that true anointing willingly walks in submission to spiritual authority. Christ himself, the anointed one, became a son in order to position his humanity under the flow of anointing. It is the same divine order for us today. It has not changed. The anointing still flows down from a father to his sons. It's the same divine order. If you want to have the anointing of God truly flowing freely into your life, then you've got to come under your divine order of a spiritual father in your life. You've got to come under spiritual submission to those that are over you. I know we don't like to talk of it like that, but that's the kingdom, and that's how it's set up. Becoming a spiritual son requires a depth of submission that many are unwilling to assume. The entire premise of sonship is wrapped up in submission to a spiritual father. And submission 
as we know, is very seldom popular. I talked on Sunday a little bit about Ishmael and Hagar and Sarah and Isaac and their view that, were, that uh, Hagar and Sarah passed down to her children, their children, because of their view of the man of God in their life. Their view of the man of God in their life drastically impacted the view of those they were leading and their view of the man of God in their life. We have to understand that there is an upward view and a downward flow. That is why the way we view our spiritual fathers matters so much. It affects the flow of anointing, and it also affects the view of those we are leading. We have a very serious impact upon the way that those we are leading view the man of God. The way that you view this relationship is crucial to your anointing, but not only that, it also affects the view of those coming after you, and ultimately their anointing. As I've said many times, I don't want to be a roadblock in the kingdom. I don't want the blessings of God just to come into my life and stop right there. I want it to flow through me and touch other lives. I want what God's putting into me to touch other people. But for that to happen, I have to be under submission to my God. I'm going to be a little personal tonight. And I'm asking you to forgive me for doing that. But I really feel that I need to. Some of you in here won't know, really know what I'm talking about. But you'll get the principle behind it all. You know, since I've been in church, I'm, I'm now, it was Pastor Roberts was my pastor, and then Brother, of course, TJ was our pastor, and then now I'm the pastor. We, that you that have been around, we kind of know some things that happened uh, with TJ, and uh, things got off a little bit there, and here we are, Amen. Now, me and TJ are more, he was more than just my pastor. He was my cousin and my friend and all of this stuff. Amen. But he was my pastor, too. He wasn't just my cousin. Anyway, so when TJ, you know, he started making some bad choices a while back, and I got sucked into all that because he is my cousin and not just my pastor. <laughs> and I got pulled into all of that. And there was things going on that I knew about with him and bad decisions he was making. And I knew for quite some time, there was only a couple people that I was able to talk to because they too were pulled into all that because of proximity. And uh, as that was going on, I was making sure that I wasn't going to get a bad attitude towards my pastor, even knowing he was making some bad decisions, even knowing that he wasn't doing everything he should be doing as a godly man. I wasn't gonna I wasn't gonna talk about him and I wasn't gonna beat him down and I wasn't gonna do anything to break my relationship between him. I did everything I could to not share that information with anybody for the longest time. My wife didn't even know about it for months. For months I carried all this stuff that was going on in my heart and I didn't want to put that upon her because I didn't want her to both, one, I didn't want her to know, two, I didn't want her to be tainted in her eyes against her man of God. I didn't want her to have to carry that. Of course, by proximity, when you get a phone call at three in the morning and your wife's laying in the bed next to you and she can hear what's saying being said over the phone and she got dragged into it. 
And there's a part of me that was glad for that because then now I had somebody I could talk to a little bit. But the other part of me hated it because I didn't want her to be part of that. This was not like a weak thing. This was months and months of carrying this stuff. I was, I was very, I even, I didn't tell, I didn't talk to anybody. I didn't talk to you that were on the staff. I didn't come to you and tell you what, we're going, what was going on. Uh, I kept all that in my, to myself because I didn't, even once you guys knew things were going on, you were coming to me and saying stuff. And I'm like, look, you're just going to have to trust me. I'm not going to sit here and talk to you about it. For one thing, I was being told not to. Two, I was not going to do that. That went on for a long time. It was actually about six months or so, I think. Hard. And the whole time, I never lost faith in my man of God, knowing he was messing up. But we've all made some mistakes, right? There was a day when that was broke because I realized with everything that he wasn't probably going to change. He wasn't, he just wasn't going to change. I just seen it. It was like God spoke it to me in the middle of a, in a moment. And that broke me a little bit. But even after that, even after that, I still didn't come out and just start talking about this guy and saying things about him because he was still my pastor for one thing. I just kept praying, and I just kept putting him in God's hands. And I, I, I'm not saying that to, like, lift me up or anything, but I do want to show you I had every opportunity and every reason to speak neg negatively about the man of God, and I did my best not to because I was not going to attack the spiritual covering over me, my spiritual father, the man of God in my life, even if he was making bad choices. He was still the man of God in my life, and I knew. I didn't understand, or I, I didn't even really comprehend the importance of that then, but I knew that I was not going to be a spear thrower that jabbed in spears into the side of my man of God. I was not going to be that person. I wanted to be like David saying, God forbid I raise my hand against God's anointed. It was one of the hardest things I've had to do in my life for many, many reasons, but God saw my heart, and he strengthened me, and he gave me the ability to navigate through all that, and I, and I didn't do anything to stain my character through any of that, I don't believe. At least I tried not to. I did my best not to. And now I know some of you didn't like the way I handled it, and many of you think I should have come out and shared with you exactly what was going on way before I did. And some of you have even developed a negative perception of me to an extent for the way that I handled that situation back then. But I know I did it all with integrity and with no desire of my own except to protect the man of God in my life and to protect your view and your family's view of the man of God in their life. Because even though I could have, and I, I would have been justified by doing it, by, by many times of uh, in speaking out way before I did, I still wanted more than anything to protect him and believe in the anointing that was upon him. And I know that for many of you, what happened then is still affecting you now. It affects your view of ministry and specifically my role in your life as the man of God for this church and as your spiritual father. 
It affects your trust in me because you fully trusted him. And that trust was damaged, so now you have trust issues with me. I don't think they're blatant things in, in you, but deep down inside your heart, you have a hard time totally and completely accepting me as your man of God for, your church, for this church and for your family. And I also realize that many of you have known me for many years, <laughs> and you've seen me do many things that I've done that weren't always the best choices, amen, even after being in church. You've seen me act in my flesh and not in the spirit, and those things impact your view of me as your man of God. I know that for some of you, there are probably a few things that cause you to question or not view me as the man of God in your life, and I understand that. For some of, it, for some of you, that's my own fault. The way that I lead, the, my lack of putting my finger on you, my willingness to let people do certain things, the fact that I'm not dictating every move of the church, that I don't rule and reign over the church as a dictator or whatever. And of course, my inexperience is definitely, under, definitely understandable. But I had a man, you guys, this is why this is so important to us tonight. I had a man. He doesn't really know anything about me. He doesn't know anything about our church. He, 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 don't, he don't know anything about me. Brother Carl Shirty called me on Monday, and uh, he was in the truck, and he was driving down the road, and he's like, my brother from Indiana. How are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. He just starts going off. And every time that man calls me, he drops a bomb on me and just blows my mind up. And uh, I'm really looking forward to being here. But as he was driving, he said, I got a gentleman here with me. He said, I don't get to do this too often. I'm usually the one driving. But right now, I got a gentleman, a pastor from, from Georgia, who's, who's, who I've been ministering to over the last five years or so, who's driving. So I got this opportunity to call you. And so he introduced me to the pastor. And we just start talking kind of small. He's actually from Indiana, from Lafayette. Now he's in Georgia. And I think I had a revelation because it seems like I keep meeting all these pastors and all these evangelists and stuff and that lived in Indiana, and then they moved to Florida or Texas or Georgia, somewhere down south, right? I, I think God spoke a word to me. Some of you guys left Florida to come here. <laughs> now, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. But my God, I think there's an anointing down in Florida somewhere. Anyway, plus they got a really good governor. But this gentleman, so we're just kind of small talking, right? He don't know. He don't know me. I've never talked to this guy in my life. He don't know anything about me, really, except for the fact that Brother Shirty told him that I'm in about the same spot he was five years ago when Brother Shirty connected with him. So we're sitting there talking and stuff, and then out of nowhere, he said, he said, Brother, I got a word. I just feel like God just gave me a word for you. He said, can I share it with you? I'm like, well, sure. Of course, share it with me. He said, look, everything, every prophecy, every promise that God has promised for your church is going to come to pass. Whether it was when you were pastoring or somebody else was pastoring, all the prophecies and promises that God has given for your church are going to come to pass. He said, but you've got to do one thing. You've got to be willing to bury the past. You've got to be willing to bury the past. And I believe in the spirit, 
that, that God, he's been, he's been telling me the same thing. Like when I said a couple, it's been a couple months ago, I just felt like there was something that needed to be done in here for us to really go forward into what God wants to do. You guys, God, I am telling you what. God wants to do something so crazy in your life, so magnificent through you for his glory and for his kingdom. It's going to rock this area. Amen. It ain't going to be like this, you guys. We're not going to be just coming together here and there and one or two people getting baptized in Jesus. No, it's going to be whole churches. It's going to be whole households. Miracle signs and wonders are going to flow. God's going to restore his church and do what he's always ordained for it to do. But for that to happen, we have to be in alignment. We as a people, if we're going to move into the expected end that God has prepared for us as a church, then we have got, we've got, we've got to bury the past. We've got to bury the past of the last ministry and pastor. We've got to bury the past of any of my bad choices. We've got to bury the past of any negative view that you have of me as the man of God in your life. Bury the past of any negative view of me that you have passed and imparted into your homes and families. We've got to bury the past if we're going to go forward. Look, I am the man of God in your life. Hallelujah. God put me here. Amen. I know we voted, but God put me here because I could have very easily not got voted in. I am the man of God in your life. But the anointing upon your life is contingent on your willingness to align yourself with me. And if you see me as anything else than that, the anointing is not going to flow freely to you. I'm not saying this because Chris wants you to be submitted to me or something like that. That's not what I want. That's not even what I'm saying, and that's not what I'm getting at. I want revival in this region. I want revival in your life. I want God to move in your life in supernatural ways and fulfill fulfill the potential that he created you for. That's what I want. I want the anointing to flow through our church, through this region. I want the Spirit to not be hindered from doing what he wants in this community. I want our church to fulfill its full purpose. I want each of you to fulfill your full purpose and potential, not just a piece or a part of what God's ordained for your life, but to fully walk and operate and live as true anointed sons of God that he desires for each of us to be. And the only way that will happen is if we are willing to come into alignment with one another. God is ordained for the anointing to flow down from him to the man of God, the spiritual father of the church, and then into the sons. And if any of us is out of alignment, then the flow of the anointing stops there. It stops the flow of the spirit and that, not, and that not only affects you, but it affects everyone under you that you are leading. Whether it's in your ministry, whether husbands, it's your wife and your children. Wives, it's your children. Children, it's your younger siblings that are coming behind you in this church and those that are these younger ones that are behind you in the church. If you are not in alignment with those over you, then everyone behind you, their anointing is disrupted because of you. 
If I'm out of alignment with Jesus, it makes all of us out of alignment. That's why I don't need God to convince me of anything anymore. He speaks something to me. I'm going to be submitted to him. I don't have to understand it. I don't have to like it. I don't have to feel good about it. It doesn't matter because I'm not going to be the one that causes the anointing that God has for your life to be stopped. I'm not going to be the one that stops that anointing from flowing into your life. I don't even know how to explain to you how big of a deal that this is, but I just feel it so strongly in the spirit. It just weighs on me. It's been weighing on me for months, and I haven't been able to wrap my mind around what God was trying to say, and I know now this is it. We've got to come into alignment so that God can do what he really wants to do through us. You, each of you, each of you have got to come into alignment with me as your spiritual father, as your man of God. If we are ever going to step into the revival and harvest that God's ordained for us to be in, then we've got to get into alignment with one another so that that harvest and that, uh, that anointing can just flow freely through us at all times. When you wake up on a Monday morning, the anointing's going to be saturating you. When you're at work on a Thursday afternoon and everyone's going crazy, the anointing's going to be covering you. And you're going to be able to speak a word to somebody. You're going to be able to lay your hands on the sick and they shall recover. Hallelujah. You're going to be able to lead somebody to the gospel. Amen. And God's going to use you to do it. He wants to use you to do it. If we knew what God really wanted to do in and through us, if we would just get a hold of that, my God. But it's only going to come if we are in alignment. I want it. I want it. There's, there's nothing in me that wants more than anything for God to just do what he wants to do in our lives. I'm not satisfied with this. I'm not satisfied with us coming together on a Sunday morning and having good services. That's good. That's great. I love it. I love it. I love it. You guys know I love it. But I'm not satisfied with that. My God, we should be having church every day of the week. We should be having church everywhere we go. Why? Because you are the church. We are the church. It's not this place. But for us to do that, to truly walk as God's sons, We've got to get in alignment and let that anointing flow to us. You know, I, I was reading in a book. I, I read a lot of this stuff in a book, actually, from my bishop, uh, Brother White. And he said when, when God smacked him with all this back, I don't know, 25 years ago or whatever it was. I don't remember how many years. When he first took over his church there, and they were just struggling. They couldn't, couldn't break 100 people. They'd get there, and poof, they'd fall back. And they'd get there, and they'd fall back. And they'd get there, and they'd fall back. And uh, he said he just started praying and seeking God, and God showed him all this stuff. And there's way more to it. You guys, there's way more to it. He said, he said that he went up and had his whole staff, everybody in leadership in his church, stand up. And he told them, look, you got one week to go home and pray. <laughs> and uh, make sure that you can come in alignment with me as your pastor. 
And he told him, look, if you can't, that's fine. No big deal. I'll do my best to keep pastoring you. You're not going to be in your leadership role. I'll, I'll keep pastoring you and love you, and I'll walk with you and your family. I'll do all that stuff, but you're not going to be in leadership. And I was sitting here today, and I'm like, I don't even know what to do to end this. Usually I got all this stuff that comes to me, and I just got it, and I'm like, okay. I don't have any of that tonight. I don't even know what the next step is, except for the fact that somehow, if there's something in you, in your heart, anything at all, anything, it, 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 again, it could be because you have mistrust in ministry because of what other people have done. Any of that kind of, if anything is in your heart, if anything is off against me as your pastor, then we've got to get that taken care of. We've got to get that taken. Ian came up to me, what, two Sundays ago? Something like that. And he grabbed me. He said, you know what? <laughs> you said it. You said, I don't remember exactly how you said it, but you said, we're not going to get what God really wants until we all come into agreement. Something along those lines, basically. He said it way more prophetic than that than I just said it. <laughs> but that's what he was saying. You know, I was praying today. I was like, God, you know everybody who needs to be there. I was like, there's probably people that aren't going to be there that probably should be there. My wife said, God knows, and who's supposed to be there will be there. And I was like, well, yeah. Nah, just sometimes we don't listen to God. So it's kind of just say it's just God's will that you show up at church all the time, you know. I know I say that too because I believe it's the divine will of God that you're here. But there's probably other people that should have been here that God told to come tonight, and they didn't for whatever reason. I just want God to do what he wants to do in this community. I want to see lives being touched. I want to see people set free. I want to see people's bodies being healed. I want to see them walking in their anointing. I want to see them doing the work of God. I guess I got to, if there's anything... If you've got anything against me, you've got to forgive me, one, and then you've got to get that out of your life. And I don't think God just told me to get up here and say this for nothing, because <laughs> I really didn't want to do all this, but 
don't know. Let's pray. How about that? Why don't you just get somewhere and pray for a moment? Why don't you ask God to search your heart? Is there anything deep down in your heart against ministry? It might not even be me. It might just be past things that you've experienced. If there's anything in your heart against ministry, it might be your own pride that just causes you to rise up in rebellion. Amen. Hallelujah. But guys, 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 we got we to gotta get ourselves in alignment so God can do what he wants to do in this city and through us and in your families and in your schools and in your workplaces. My God. Come on, just why don't you talk to him for a moment. Ah, don't worry about the person next to you. Just talk to him. God, search my heart, God. Search my heart, God. God, if there's anything in there, if I got bad attitudes, God, God, if I've caused my family to come out of alignment because of things I've said against the ministry, hallelujah, God, I pray, God, that you give us mercy and you help me to fix it. Give me wisdom, God, to know what to say to them, God, to repair that breach in their life, God, that the anointing can flow freely into our families again and into our children. Hallelujah, and through them, God, and to others even, Lord, in the name of Jesus. You've got to have spiritual father in your life for the anointing. To truly flow. Holy Ghost, have your way, God. Maybe you're all good. Maybe you just need to pray that God puts a hedge about you and your mind and your spirit from this day forward against the attack. The enemy would try to destroy this relationship because he understands it. God, guard our hearts. Guard our minds, God. Oh, God, help us to be humble, God, in the things we do, God. Getting our opinions out of the way, Lord. Jesus, guard us, God, against God coming against the ministry of the man of God in our life, Lord God, our pastors, hallelujah. Our leaders, our, our, our parents, God. <laughs>